So open your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, and this is one of the more seminal passages. In fact, if, if we had time, we could actually turn this to the series. Chapters 8 and 9 is really where Paul goes into this. But for our sakes, we'll just look at one chapter of it. It is cold outside, and I know uh, we don't want to be gone forever. So with that, if you'll stand with me, and we'll read the 15 verses of chapter 9. Apostle Paul writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, to say nothing of you, for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpress inexpressible gift. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, our, our, our Lord, we, we, we are grateful for your love and your mercy. We do ask that you would be with us this evening. Uh, yes, I realize it is cold, and uh, that does limit many people. Also, there's many people sick. My, my whole family is sick, and others who are recovering from accidents and other sickness and surgeries and everything else. Uh, so, so we do lift them up, and, but, but here we are with our Bibles open. We ask that you would open our entire being, that we may become more like you. And may I decrease so that you can increase. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Well, no doubt there is the saying that we have all said a thousand times that uh, uh, there are two subjects you have to avoid in polite company. We, we know they are. It's supposed to be politics and money. Um, but call me crazy, and many have over the years, I, 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 think, I think that is a bunch of bologna um, because all we do is talk politics. Now, usually it's over Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas and whatnot, you're told, don't talk politics. And as a general rule, that's, that's probably wise. Uh, if, if, if you know that you are going to be around someone who may have different political uh, beliefs, it is probably best to just hold your tongue. But let's be honest, about the only thing Americans talk about these days is politics. In fact, everything's been politicized. Sports has been politicized. If, if, if I ask you, are you a LeBron James fan or a Michael, Jack, or Michael, Michael Jackson, that's separate, Michael Jordan fan, your answer may come down to politics. Um, and 
And uh, uh, how many people laugh at me about being a soccer fan because that's a communist sport, right? I mean, all we do is talk politics. Uh, In fact, studies show that uh, people are more likely to leave their church, even to leave their faith, than they are to leave their political party. I mean, all we do is talk about politics. We also love to, to talk about religion. After all, all of, I think politics is our religion. Uh, our pursuit of power uh, and, and everything else is, is tied in religion. But even that, maybe we can say we don't talk about it a whole, whole lot, and fair enough. I think the uh, whole uh, new sexual revolution is itself a religion. But the truth is there is a subject you should never talk about with someone. There is a subject. It's not politics, not religion. It's money. Money. We will talk about our sexual preferences and our lives from one end of, of, of from the beginning of the day to the end, but we do not like to talk about money. We get real uncomfortable when it when it comes to that, um, and and yet. What the text has before us is a subject that mixes both religion and money. So uh, let's just offend everybody, shall we? But, but what we have here is Paul is, is in, in his book to, to the Corinthians, which they're an absolute mess. He comes to the subject of giving. And in, in, in the second letter, he's having to defend his apostleship because of some, some bad eggs are, are in the church. And now he addresses the issue of giving, generosity, charity, whatever term it is that you want to use. But in chapter 9, he gives us some good principles to see how do we understand generosity in light of grace. So a couple of points to make here this evening. The first thing uh, we need to see um, uh, I just now noticed wooden up there, Don. That's that's oh, it's probably doing that one thing, uh, uh, or it's still not. Maybe the battery's dead. And that's okay if if it doesn't work. The first thing we see is that giving is an outworking of grace. Giving is an outworking of grace. You notice there in verse one, he mentions the ministry for the saints. It is superfluous. That's a great word for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. Now, if you read the New Testament, you're going to come across uh, Paul referencing this uh, several times. What he's doing is he's on his third missionary journey, and he's going to make his way back to Jerusalem. And if you read Acts, it, it, it gives you all the details about that. And, and on his way back uh, to Jerusalem, he visits some of the churches he has already planted. This is typical of Paul. He, he, he plants a church, and, and he'll, he'll make a tour. He'll go back to Antioch, Jerusalem. He'll, he'll make another tour, but he stops by those churches that he planted. And then he'll go farther, come back through, start over. And his third journey, he goes even farther, visiting those churches, and, and he comes back. So he's always planting and, and, and encouraging along the ways. This is basic ministry. And as he makes his way towards Jerusalem, he asks the primarily Gentile churches to uh, uh, take up a collection, a love offering, to use uh, Baptist terminology. And this love offering would go towards the Jerusalem believers. It has two purposes in it. The first is a collection for charity. That is that during Paul's third missionary journey, he no doubt got word that the, uh, that the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding area was suffering from a severe famine. So Acts chapter 11, we read this. One of the prophets stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it... Uh, to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. This is the first example of this. And so uh, we know, actually, historically, this happens. 
uh, if you read Josephus, you could read other resources. They, they will say that um, the other areas of the empire actually pulled their resources to, to meet the needs of those hungry in uh, Jerusalem and the broader Judea area. Um, and so they, they would ship grain. This is one of the advantages of the Roman Empire is that, yes, it's Egypt, but Egypt's really Rome. And so they can take the grain there in Egypt and send it all the way to Judea who are lacking the grain. We do this to this day. And obviously, uh, just because we have a factory here in Kentucky doesn't mean we get all of that. No, no, the, the federal government sees to it and the economy, uh, primarily the, the free market sees to it. it. It gets out. And that's what you have there. So what Paul is doing is he's saying that our brothers in the faith need relief. And so we're going to have these churches pull their resources together and go help with that relief. We do this a thousand times, and we've done it a thousand times over the last 60 years. Uh, whenever there was a flood in eastern Kentucky, uh, what do we do? Well, we got a list. The WMU, uh, they, they put their heads together, and they come up with a list. This is everything we need. We announce it to the church, and then everyone starts bringing canned foods, mops, and cleaning supplies, or whatever it may be on that list. We've done that a thousand times. And that's all that Paul is ultimately doing here. But his motivation isn't just charity, it is also unity. So what you have are the Jewish believers are suffering, the Gentile believers are not. The problem is, is that due to the Roman culture, Jews and Gentiles don't get along very well. So what Paul does, because they, they are uh, uh, defined by the gospel and not by culture, he wants to have the Gentiles go out of their way to show great uh, uh, generosity to the Jews, sort of as an olive, olive branch. Again, we, again we, we do this, this sort of thing all the time. It is that I will make a necessary sacrifice as a means of showing that, that our differences aren't as great as, as, as they may at first seem. Uh, this is a racial issue. It's an ethnic issue. It's a cultural issue. Uh, and so one party is being generous to the other in an effort to unify them. And this is how it really is often presented in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 16, we read, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the church in Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of the week, Sunday, notice they're, they're gathering on Sunday, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. And when I arrive, I will send those who you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. I mean, there's so much there. Notice that, that they take up a love offering, if you will. Uh, no doubt they got ushers and deacons at uh, all their doors as people exit the, the church building. Of course, they didn't have church buildings. And, and people would give. And then they would have a letter saying, we approve, which probably means they had a business meeting. We approve of this person to take this money to take it to that place. And we do this today. Uh, the nomination committee brings in a list. We trust these people with the money. When I came here, my first business meeting, so this would be, uh, March, my, my second Sunday, because uh, I started March 1st. So my second week here, um, y'all announced you, had, you did an audit of the church. Let me tell you, when you're starting out and you hear the church has been audited, <laughs> you just, uh, come again, you know, uh, the search committee should have mentioned that. Now, what, what was the church doing is the church is saying that we have taken steps to see to it that everything is on the up and up. And I remember the announcement of that. And uh, when I realized what was going on, I was quite encouraged 
Um, Romans 15, 25, At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. So you see that Paul, he's, he's gone to Rome, Galatia, Achaia, Macedonia, and now here, Corinth. And, and he's, he's saying that, that what unites you is grace. It's grace. And so what, what should motivate us is grace. Giving is, 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 is rooted. It is the outworking of grace. When we discover what Christ has done on our behalf, we become generous people. So you, you can see the language that Paul uses here is quite striking. Uh, verse four, uh, so he says, make sure you have it ready when I get there. Don't be like one of those people who, who uh, I arrive and I say, do you have the offering? And you look around like, oops, and then, then you, you send a, a phone fight out. Hey, this Sunday, bring extra money. All right? It's the last week of Lottie Moon collection. We forgot to mention it. So verse four, otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find you are not ready, we would be humiliated. Not to mention you. <laughs> I love that part. It'd be embarrassing. It'd be embarrassing that, that, that uh, we've, this has been announced every Sunday morning, and, and yet uh, you failed to be generous. That's embarrassing for Christians to fail to be generous. And so Paul tells them uh, this. So, so what's uniting the churches across the Roman Empire was their shared identity in Christ who redeemed them from their sins. And, and having received that generous gift, Paul's asking them to return that gift for the blessing of others. That's his, that's his whole point. Uh, their identity is not racial, ethnic, or ancestral, but Christ's. So, therefore, this should be the natural outflow of the gospel. It is superfluous, verse 1, for me to mention this to you. This is just what we do. And by the way, we know this uh, sociologically, and, and the data shows this. Who are the most generous people in our society? By the way, America is the most generous nation in the history of the world. That's just science. Not that we believe in science anymore, but it's just science. And, and who are the most generous people in America? The people who go to church. If you don't believe me, follow tax returns of presidents. Compare those who are deep in their faith and those who aren't. Just compare. Look at their uh, charitable donations. Uh, we, we, know, we know this. And, and, and remember that as we become more post-Christian society... Uh, people are going to be a lot more stingy. Part of it is because we think it's the federal government's job to fix problems. So I don't have to love my neighbor. That's the government's job. That is not how we view the gospel. Well, if the first thing is that giving is the outworking of, of grace, second thing is giving is not law, but it is grace. Now, you read here verse 6, and immediately we are confronted with uh, the threat of heresy here. The point is this, Paul says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, this is a favorite verse of what I call the prosperity heretics. And we do need to see the prosperity gospel as anti-Christ, anti-gospel. It is heresy. Their false gospel is based off of heretical theology. Let me give you three points of their teaching here uh, so, so that we can get this part of the text right. So when you turn on Twisting the Bible Nightly, better known as TBN, and you see all, all these prosperity heretics up here, uh, their theology is, is clearly, we, we, we can articulate it. And one of the primary teachings they have is what's called positive confession. 
They believe that inside of us are, we are little gods. And then we're already in the heresy part, aren't we? So just as God created by speaking things into existence, you have that power too. So if you, if, so if you say negative things, negative things are going to happen. If you say positive things, positive things are going to happen. You've heard this before. If you've watched Oprah, repent. But if you've watched Oprah, you've heard this. If you watch any gobbledygook of modern psychology, you've heard this. The chances are, you've, you've heard, uh, if someone says something negative, they'll say, don't say that or it might happen. That's, that comes from the same, same cesspool of positive confessionism. So let me give you a few examples of this. Uh, the bishop, T.D. Jakes, that word of God is how God procreates. I don't like that word procreate. It's how God regenerates. And that's why once you get in the word of God, you got to be careful what you speak to because the power of life and death is in your tongue. Marilyn Hickey, for those who may remember her, what do you need? I need money. Then start creating it. Start speaking about it. Start speaking it into being. Speak to your billfold. Say, you big, thick billfolds full of money. Speak to your checkbook. Say, you checkbook, you've never been so prosperous since I owned you. You're just jam-filled of money. Start speaking about it. Just jam-full of money. We should try that with weather. Actually, you know, I, I make the jokes because, because if, if you don't laugh, you're, you're going to get angry. Um, uh, uh, oh, his uh, not Hagen. Uh, uh, maybe it is Hank, Kenneth Hagen. May, maybe him. He 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 made the claim once that he uh, he calmed uh, like a tornado uh, over the water. It has a sp- specific name. I'm not a weatherman, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn. Uh, but he was flying on his private jet that uh, people paid for him to have, and uh, one of these was coming right towards him. And so he says, "You tornado, you you get back up there." And it happened like. Man, I wish you did that for Eastern Kentucky when the floods hit. Was it Mariah? Mariah? Um, no, it's, it's, it's Kenneth. There's two Kenneths. There's Copeland. Copeland. Yes, Copeland. Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Hagen came before Kenneth Copeland. Ken- Kenneth Copeland. Yeah, uh, that, that, that dude, well, we're recording. Uh, the song is, they call the wind Mariah. Oh, oh. You're dating yourself or I'm dating myself. Joe Olstein, the boy, right? He, he, he uh, is, is the most widely um, watched and viewed pastor. It says something about America. See, the Bible says that we can grow in favor. I believe one of the main ways that we grow in favor is by declaring it. It's not enough to just read it. It's not enough to just believe it. I'll just say that to Apostle Paul, see what happens. You've got to speak it out. Your words have creative power. And one of the primary ways we release our faith is through our words. And there is a divine connection between you declaring God's favor and seeing God's favor manifest in your life. You've got to give life to your faith by speaking it out. If you read his first book, uh, your, your Best Life Now, which probably means he won't have one later, is, is, is that he talks about trying to find a close parking spot at Walmart. I'm not making this up. You can read it. Actually, don't read it. Um, and he, he says that what you need to do is speak that there is a close parking spot. And I can't help but think as a Christian is if there is a close parking spot and you really are spiritual, give that to someone else who may need it. Yeah. Given the, 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 the amount of calories you and I consume every day, it won't hurt us to park back a little bit and start walking. Well, 
positive confessionism, they also teach that because of positive confessionism, it, it then adds to that that suffering and poverty are sins. Sins, that word sin. Not a negative experience, not something to be avoided, a sin. If you are poor, if you are unhealthy, you are living in sin. Robert Tilton, being poor is a sin. Later in the same uh, TBN uh, episode, quote, the only time people were poor in the Bible is when they were under a curse. Right now, you're trying to think of every poor person in, in the Bible. I seem to remember Ruth being blessed of God. Your people will be my people, your God and my God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Was Joseph cursed when he's sitting in the pit? When he's spending years in prison? Is he cursed? Let's let's talk about that word. Cursed. Paula White, who is very influential with the former president, by the way. All these people are. Uh, uh, Former President Trump is heavily influenced by um, uh, the uh, power of positive thinking guy. So you need to realize that. And this is why he loves, he loves the prosperity people. That and all they do is talk about money. Paula White is one of those, very influential with President Trump. God is not magnified when you are broke, busted, or disgusted. I seem to remember a broken body upon a cross that still magnifies the Lord. Well, if suffering and poverty are sins, then the solution is faith. But faith is measured by your health and wealth. So the cure to sickness and poverty is faith. If you're still sick or poor, it's because your faith is weak and your generosity is too small. Both are important. Is that if, if you have little faith, you will have big problems. If you have big faith, you won't have problems. And part of you exercising faith is through giving to these heretics. Not by giving to the American Red Cross or the International Mission Board. It's by giving to the heretics. Joyce Meyer, um, if you stay in your faith... You're going to get paid. I am now living in my reward. Imagine the Apostle Paul saying something like that right before he's shipwrecked on his way to Rome. And it's absolutely astounding. The prosperity heresy, I believe, is an evil that American Christians have tolerated for far too long. They come to a text like this and they say, See, Paul says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you also reap bountifully. One of the problems that that, that we have here is the assumption is that if you give to me, you will be blessed. Rather than that the, the, the purpose of generosity is the glory of God. That's the reward. It's not a private jet. Not a private jet. And we, we should note that the prosperity heresy can only come from a nation whose God is money. And then it gets exported because the prosperity heretics target the poor. This has always been the problem with them. Always been the problem. Because it isn't rich people who are falling for this garbage. It's the poor people. Poor people who are so desperate because of their handicaps and their poverty and their sickness. They go, this guy's going to fix all my problems. And not only will I be healthy, I'll be wealthy too. Here, I'll give you everything that I have. This, of course, isn't unique. We talked about it uh, some this morning. But this is exactly what the Roman Catholic Church did before the Reformation. If you want a biblical reference to this, uh, uh, Jesus condemns this. Luke chapter 21, we we read of the uh, widow's might. 
Remember, she has two pennies left and she puts it in, in, in the coffers. And Jesus says, there is Luke 21, verse 3, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. And what we usually say is, see, God blesses generosity. There's truth to that. God is blessed and does bless us in our generosity. But what we do is we fail to read what happens. There is no real transition from the widow's might to Jesus calling down the destruction of the temple. What we do is because of our subtitles, we say, okay, here's the widow's might. Okay, here's Jesus's prophecy. When actually what we need to do, as Luke intended it, is that when, when, when Jesus sees this poor widow put her last bit of savings into the coffers for the temple that has been corrupted by fake religion, he then says this entire system is going to come down in judgment. So what you get in verse 5 is Jesus saying, And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings. How was it adorned with noble stones and offerings? They prey on poor people, like this widow. Verse 6, As for these things, Jesus says, that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that it will not be thrown down. You can go to Jerusalem right now. You can see large stones thrown down by the Romans. And you can see this is all because of, of what religion did to the poor. They got their view of generosity wrong. They took it, they made it law and not about grace. This is, again, similar to what the Roman Catholic Church did with indulgences. I mentioned this this morning. When Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses, Wimber Castle Door, he wasn't, trying to change, he wasn't trying to create a revolution. He wasn't trying to leave the Catholic Church. He's trying to correct it. He's saying that this is a bridge too far. You are praying on poor people to build a nice building. By the way, whenever the Pope comes out and, and, and does whatever it is that he does in Latin, and everyone just, just comes and just oozes and awls before him, you need to know he is standing there from St. Peter's Basilica, built by the poor of Europe in the 16th century. That is what is being built when Albert of Mainz goes out and says that every time the coffer rings, a soul in purgatory springs. It was the poor that they were targeting. My favorite of the 95 theses is number 82. Why does not the Pope empty purgatory for the sake of holy love and the dire need of the souls that are there if he redeems an infinite number of souls for the sake of miserable money with which to build a church. The former reason will be most just. The latter is most trivial. He's exactly right. He said, if the Pope has the power to save souls, which he doesn't, then he should do it out of grace and not law. But he's up there in his ivory tower saying, man, I wish these poor people would give me more money, then I'll be generous. So you're not going to find that in the New Testament because we already have the fuel necessary for our generosity, and that's grace. Grace is sufficient to be a motivating factor. What we don't need is the law. And that's Paul's general point here, is that this spiritual uh, discipline of giving is not law like tithing was. It's rather a matter of grace. And this truth should liberate us to be more generous couple of reasons for this. First of all, because all that is ours is already God's. 1 Corinthians 10, 26, for, quote, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Exodus 19, 5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. Job 4, 11, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine, the sky. Haggai 2, 8, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. It is American bravado that acts as if we have private property against God. This is my family, my bank account, my home, my career. 
In reality, everything that we have is from God. What then are we losing when we give? Secondly, God handles money better than we do. He handles our wealth and blessings better than we do. I've noticed this, this trend. I was told us when we live in Breck County, we really struggled to pay our bills. And I remember we kept getting student loans, like dues in. And, 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 and my wife and I would look at each other like, another one? Right, we just got a routine with these. Now we just discovered another one apparently we had taken out. And, and it was a real struggle for us. And I remember everyone saying, look, the more money you make, you're, you're at the same level financially. That is to say that, that if you're struggling to keep $5 in the bank account making $50,000 a year, you're going to struggle to keep $5 in the bank account making $75,000 a year. And I thought that was crazy. And there's some real truth to that. That is a very American way of doing things. Um, and and, and, the, and, and the, we know that uh, uh, the problem isn't that we need more income, but that we need greater wisdom with our outcome. We know this is the problem. We know this. Um, and you've heard me say before that the two things every couple fights over the most, this is across the board, is intimacy and money. We will fight over and fight for more money, bigger toys, larger store, storage buildings. For what? For what? Maybe God knows better than, than we do. We would do well to return to Scripture when it comes to this matter. You see, Paul hints at this in verse 9. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. God handles our, our money. He handles resources better, better than we do. Finally, notice that generosity stirs Christian joy. Uh, we see that in verse 7. Each, was, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, I mentioned this this morning about when mom and dad would tell my brother and I to tell each other sorry. Um, that's, that's how we often give. But rather, when, when we give with abandonment, like Ebenezer Scrooge at the end of Christmas Carol, that, 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 that generosity comes from grace and a joyful heart. Not so we're so 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 that is the ends of the means. The means is grace and joy. The ends is generosity. What we think is, well, I just got to give, give, give. Then I'll be happy. And it didn't work that way. Then that may help. There's something about service and, and, and sacrifice. Yes, but but our motivation ought to be Christ. Christ is is enough. Well, New Testament again doesn't demand a tithe. But I don't think it sets it aside. In fact, the assumption is that due to the sacrifice of Christ, we will be more generous, and our motive is not law but grace. Here's the last thing, is that given reflects the gospel in two ways in this text. The first way is that we are called to love our neighbor, verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Here, that, that this ministry of service is for the love of neighbor, supplying the needs of saints. So, so as he overflows us, we, we supply needs. And what we get out of that is, is greater thanksgiving. We have more reasons to be thankful that God would use us to be a blessing to others. What a gift that is. Also, we need to see that generosity provides for us shared worship. Verse 13, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. By the way, notice that, that they would receive it not as a group of people needing validation, like we talked about this morning, but rather only the gospel can explain how they would help us. 
And so God gets the credit for everything. He gets all the glory for it. We glorify God because of your submission. This is shared worship where we we work together and partner together in this. Well, growing up, uh, my dad had one of those wallets that is causing him back problems. Do you got one of those? I do. Um, um, and, and, and so that's why my wallet, so if you're a pickpocketer, please uh, uh, skip this, is in my side pocket. Because, because I was starting, I noticed in that. Right? You know, men, we, we don't have purses. I mean, men used not to have purses. Um, and so we would put, put our wallets back here, but I noticed that once you start, uh, when you fall in love, that wallet gets thicker. And then, then you have kids, it gets thicker. Now we put all of our photos on our phone. But back then, you had a little photo album. You, 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 we did everything in cash. You may have a debit card. You may have your insurance card, your ID cards, and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and so your wallet starts to fill up. And my dad would put that in his back pocket, and he would complain every day about his back hurting. So he would come home, and the first thing he would do is take his ID badge off, and then, and then he would put his wallet on the table. Big old thick thing. And he would wear the thing out because it was, it was too full. Not because he was rich, but because he had all those photos in it. And it got me thinking that every father's wallet had two things in it. Money and pictures. And I realized at a young age, whatever it is you carry around you constantly are the things you value the most. And what you value the most are relationships and resources. My dad did not have a photo of his favorite coffee mug. He had photos of his kids, photos of his family, photos of his wife, relationships and resources. And you need to see how one exists to serve the other. Dad would go to work and he could show off those pictures of his kids and their basketball photos and their school yearbook photos and uh, the, the little uh, vacation with his wife, although mom and dad never took vacations growing up. Uh, he would work up until this last Friday when he finally retired. He would work those resources for the purpose of relationships. Giving is a much different That which we value the most, we will work towards blessing. What do we value? One of the ways we can evaluate what it is we really value, our heart, is by looking at our expenditures. And the truth is, refusing to give with a generous heart is evidence of where our heart is. And that is why what Paul talks about here is at its core a spiritual discipline. If we want to be close to God, grow in intimacy with our Savior, we know about reading the Bible. We talk a lot about prayers. We'll do, Lord willing, next Sunday morning. But one of the ways that we can go close to God is by giving with a cheerful, generous heart. Because in so doing, we get a taste, a small taste, but a taste, of what the Lord has done for us. He has given much so that maybe we can give just a little. Well, let's pray. We'll we'll be dismissed. Father, I ask that you would help us in this regard.